You are actually going to be traveling around the district. You specifically have dates set for being in Rio Blanco County coming up. Is that right? Yes, I do. Uh, what are those dates and, and where will you be? I will be in Meeker on August 15th, 29th, September 12th, September 26th, October 10th, and October 17th. Those will all be from one to four. And I will be um, hosting my truck in a social distancing tailgating tour from the back of my truck over by the town park there in Meeker. And then I'll be going to Rangeley as well on the 22nd of August, the 18th of September, and the 24th of October. And that will also be from 1 to 4. And that'll be at Elks Park in Rangeley. Okay, so people can just come up and yeah, basically chat with you about whatever, talk about policies, or what should they expect? It's going to be very informal. I'm not going to be giving a speech or anything. I would love to hear what they want to say, hear what people want from their representative down in Denver, hear what issues are most important to them. Um, this is very crazy year for campaigning with COVID-19 going on. And so it's more about just getting out there and having a listening tour, which we would have done earlier if we could have, but we had to maintain some of those guidelines to try to help the country and the economy for a little while there. So, Specifically in Rio Blanco County, uh, what are some of the things that you might expect people will want to talk about? Yeah, and, and Rio Blanco is that interesting smaller population county right in between Moffat and Garfield County kind of sandwiched in there with a little bit bordering Mesa County but it should not be um, at all forgotten. Uh, for me I think a large portion of the people that I've talked to up there already is um, some of the issues that are important to them are their water rights especially with agriculture. Agriculture is very important to Rio Blanco County as a whole, Meeker in particular. So protecting that water rights and, and the water resources, making sure that we work to protect those rights and don't have a call on the Colorado looking forward over the next 20 years, which we very well could if we don't manage the water system pretty well. So I want to work towards that. Um, they're also concerned with some of the just the national issues as that are in the whole district issues as well. Schools reopening, um, quality of schools in general, especially on the, in the rural slope out here making sure that we have quality teachers at a high quality pay that stick around. And then also working towards um, increasing access to quality healthcare, especially um, healthcare insurance in, in Rio Blanco and Moffat County. We're once again gonna have one healthcare provider offering one healthcare plan unless you get your insurance through your employer. Garfield County this time is gonna have two plans, but that's still not much better. So we got to figure out a way to to minimize health insurance costs and, and increase access to health care. So those are the issues that we're still getting a lot on um, from people on. They're not changing so much with COVID-19, but they're they're kind of that along with unemployment and making sure my rent's paid and my mortgage is paid and all that stuff, too. We can talk about COVID-19 real briefly if you want. I think that uh, I was just curious if you had any thoughts on Governor Jared Polis and the state's response to COVID-19, I guess from the health perspective, and then maybe talking a little bit about the economic impacts that we're seeing. You know, I think that Colorado as a, as a whole, um, we've managed this pretty well, stepping up to the plate from the governor down to the county levels. And I'm working through bipartisan channels to swiftly take action 
Um, we Nobody saw this coming at the beginning of the legislative term when it started in January. And now we're here in August. And what we're learning about COVID-19 is that everything we thought we knew on day one changes on day two and changes on day three. And we have to make decisions based upon what we know on day one, which is then new information on day two. That decision could be wrong in hindsight or should have been done differently. But we've made that decision. Now we have to work within that framework. So we shouldn't go back and rejudge our decisions. We just need to keep pushing forward and working together. I think that initially by going into the early lockdown across the state as we did, it did very well help, especially on the Western Slope. Garfield County, Rio Blanco County, and Moffat County have very few ICU beds for the size of their population. And those beds need to remain available while the pandemic's going on for heart attacks and car accidents and hunting accidents and, and the various stuff that we get throughout the year as well. So we can't be filling up those beds with COVID-19 patients if we have the ability to um, go into a lockdown like we did for a few weeks that month. I think that was very good at flattening the curve. With reopening, I think that ultimately it would have been nice if Governor Polis had instituted a mandatory mask order sooner rather than later. It is one of the most useful and least imposing things that somebody can do to help protect their neighbors. And really with um, COVID-19 as a health crisis, we're looking at it as protecting our neighbors. So that way we can get through the health crisis as quickly as possible and then handle the economic crisis that we are also going through as a result of the same thing. Obviously you mentioned your law firm and so you have a degree and practice law. So the big thing that comes up for people is they say that it's not constitutional to mandate a mask. Do you have a take on that? Well, I disagree that it's not constitutional to mandate a mask. Um, governments under the constitution are allowed to protect and make laws and pass ordinances for the health and safety of their constituents. Those laws are reviewed by the Supreme Court under what's entitled strict scrutiny. And not to go into a whole law school class right now, but it's a very high bar and it needs to be the least intrusive and most open and across the board policy-wise plan that's very intrusive into people's lives and, and protects the public at large and, and doesn't go too far into their own um, sensibilities and their own rights. Wearing a mask is very much the least intrusive way that people can do that. So I believe it would stand up to strict scrutiny and would therefore not be unconstitutional. That would be my legal analysis that I would do if I was presenting it to the Supreme Court or to a, to a judge. I guess uh, maybe sort of last thing on the COVID-19 stuff, more going into the economic side. Um, yep. Colorado's Department of Labor and Employment, latest statistics show... More than half a million unemployment claims. I think if we're uh, including the PUAs or the pandemic unemployment assistance claims, it's not, it's like closer to 700,000 since March or since mid-March. So obviously that's not great. How do we address that situation moving forward and specifically in House District 57 with the industries that we have here? Well, we have to address it in, in a multifaceted approach. When this first came out, I developed a plan called the New Deal for Colorado 
that I published on my website and on Facebook and I'm sent to some, some of the local newspapers and radio stations. It wasn't widely disseminated, but it involved calling for increasing unemployment access, which we did as a country as a whole. We need to continue that. And, and I think that continuing that benefit from the federal government at $600 a week for now is necessary. If in the future we need to, re, to lower that, we need to start doing that at a trickle down way, not from 600 to 200 to zero. We need to lessen that burden on our workers. A large portion of the um, HD57's economy is going to be hotel and tourism industry based down here in Garfield County, but also supporting for the um, for the workers in agricultural and the mine up in Craig, and, and that's the restaurant industry. We need to figure out ways to support those restaurant workers. I would like to see uh, continuing to allow the liquor and alcohol sales to be um, taken off property, to allow for potential to continue with takeout orders, especially in HB 57, allow that to continue because restaurants are getting very good business from that. And then also keeping people being able to have expanded outside dining for the rest of the summer and into, into the rest of the year if restaurants can can work that in the winter. We know we have some bad winters out here, but we're also very tough citizens and don't mind sitting out in the cold sometimes while eating and drinking a beer. Um, so I would like to see those things continue on, but we need to look at what we were doing as a state in, in our benefit package in our, in our employee assistance programs and make sure that as we do these things in the interim to protect people now and help build them and get them out of the problems now, we develop a plan for the future in case another economic collapse comes like this. So that way we have some some benefits there that protect people and keep them from, from all of a sudden being out of work for 12 months with no income and unable to pay their rent. Okay. So speaking of industries in House District 57, Obviously, another huge one for Western Garfield County, especially as well as Rio Blanco County, um, is going to be oil and gas, uh, fossil fuels. You mentioned the mine in Moffat County. So, you know, specifically in in Rio Blanco, from what I understand, approximately 80% of Rio Blanco County property tax revenue comes from oil and gas operators. And so now we're kind of at this point, you know, we saw the oil glut, we saw huge drops in price, and these companies are now saying things like they don't want to continue to operate here, they want deregulation because they cite that as their reason for um, not being able to be economically viable in this area. So without getting into conversations about regulation and all that stuff, Hypothetically, if we lose all of that or a huge chunk of that kind of development that we currently have, how do we address that in a place like Meeker and somewhere like Rangeley or even the families in Rio Blanco County who work on the coal mine, them having to find new work or even leave? What should we be doing to mitigate the impacts of that or plan for that potential future? Uh, that's a great question. And you couch it in hypothetical for Rio Blanco County. It is definitely not a hypothetical for Moffat County. We know that the coal plants are closing there. The companies have said they're going to be closing within the next five years. So what I would want to do in Rio Blanco County is the same thing that I would want to do in Moffat County and Garfield County. We need to start now, not 
hold out and, and bang our heads against the drum of deregulation to try to keep those jobs there. We'll keep them as, as long as the companies will keep them around and are willing to work with us. What we need to do while keeping those jobs is to diversify our jobs. We need to incentivize new companies coming in. That's a broad, broad range of, of companies from outdoor equipment manufacturers to um, outdoor retailers to allowing for a potential for a new railroad line to go through uh, um, northern Colorado for a distribution of goods network um, as, a, as a satellite hub from outside of Salt Lake City. There's been discussion of that going on that could bring in, in hundreds of jobs. We also need to take into account, and this is not to go away from, I'm not saying to do away with oil and gas industry at all, but we can expand the, the renewable footprint while at the same time not diminishing the oil and gas industry footprint. I think that's a, a misconception that too much is driven by the oil and gas industry, that it's one or the other, and it doesn't need to be that way. We have plenty of space for renewable energy production, and we also have plenty of space for bringing in some tech firms that can come in and do some remote work and also have people up here doing some businesses. We've spoken to some front range companies. I have down, down in the front range, Lockheed and Barton and defense contractors who would like to put satellite uh, offices up here on the Western slope for some research and high altitude inf information and open expanse research as well. So there's, there's areas that we can attract, that we can go through. We need to attract those areas. You saw the legislature started the Rural Jumpstart Initiative this past year, and I think that we can build off of that one. I think that was a good bill from Dylan Roberts, and, and we can push forward with that and, and move on from there. So it's not so much of a, um, oh, the sky is falling. We need to embrace this opportunity, but we need to embrace it now. We need to work now and, and get these things lined up. And if we do that, then we can have a a really phenomenal transition to an even better diversified economy in the future where we won't have that oil and gas boom, where we won't have the coal plant shutting down and losing all the subsequent industries around that at the same time. I think one thing that's interesting uh, on this thread is that Rio Blanco County has actually some of the uh, fastest internet in the country. Uh, they have a broadband gigabit internet, fiber connections, which a lot of cities don't even have yet in the United States. Um, so have you thought at all about expanding broadband and things like that? Oh, very much so. I think that it's interesting that Rio Blanco has one of the best in Moffat County and Garfield County, Mesa County have some of the worst. There's no reason for that. We should work together as Northwest Colorado in, in a broadband infrastructure because then we can build off of that. Any economy that comes through here into Northwest Colorado, at some point it's going to have to drive down I-70 just to get to Craig Meeker. Rio Blanco, that's the way the roads are built because of the mountains. So that means going through Denver or Grand Junction or Glenwood to get to these counties. So we need to have um, those count, uh, all of those players involved in building up the economy out here. I am curious about preventing a call on the Colorado River. Obviously, this is another uh, can of worms, too, if we start getting into water. But I guess... How do we prevent a call on the Colorado River? What are some strategies we could take to achieve that goal? Yeah, well, we know the Colorado River is of vital national importance, but it's also of incredibly vital regional importance and, and local importance too. 
I mean, it does feed 37 million people with their drinking water all the way down into Mexico. So we can't diminish the effects of how much it provides for everybody and just say, it's our water, nobody else can have it, right? But we are in this compact with them and we are the headwaters up here in these, these districts, uh, the 26th and the 57th in particular. So we need to stand up and protect our rights first and foremost. There are some things that we can do to prevent a call. We haven't seen a call on the river and we're, we're looking like it might not happen for another decade or so, but if we work now, we can prevent it for another 20 years. I like the pro some of the programs that reduce the use uh, when people aren't necessarily needing to use all their water. So we have a lot of people, and, and rightly so, because there's the use it or lose it rules. And those are, those are well-intentioned and, and should stay on, but we can work within those. One thing that I think of is water leaseback programs, where if you own water rights and you don't need to use yours, let's say you're traveling for the summer and you're not actually going to grow your crops this year. I don't know anybody's situation, but hypothetically speaking, they could lease their water rights to somebody else, maybe the front range or something. So that water doesn't just get flown into runoff and then, and then used as irrigation and simply just put away. It can actually get used to benefit people, then diminishing the amount of water that's then pulled out of the Colorado as a whole further on down the river. So there's things that we can do at those. Previously, that had been done in sort of a 10-year block system where you had to give those rights for 10 years. It's recently gone down to about five. I wouldn't mind seeing it um, going down to one-year programs where the state can set up a program where a farm or agriculture business or even a family that owns water rights could lease back their water for a year that they don't need, um, allowing them to get some money in their pocket too if they need to. Then there's also incentivizing some agricultural businesses to lower their water use consumption and build new agriculture um, water distribution plans that are more efficient. So there's not as much waste going out there. And we can help them with that and provide some incentives into cost into building that as well, which will protect the water use and lower the water usage levels. And really what we're looking for here is preventing water waste which will then prevent a call on the water, uh, on the Colorado River. There's some other things that we can get into too, but like you said, water is a whole can of worms that we could spend an hour and a half on just, right. just here today, you know? Yeah. Talking about water usage and then talking about oil and gas development, fracking wells use uh, trillions of gallons of fresh water. Um, so do you think in terms of the water conversation, should we be having a, a discussion around that of whether we should be increasing fracking, decreasing it? I mean, you mentioned that we don't have to diminish the oil and gas footprint. So um, is that something that you've thought about? I, I do think that we need to have um, discussions on reducing the water waste that comes from fracking. We need to work to seriously make sure that our water waste is, is not being done. I would say that as a country for too long, we have shied away from having these hard discussions on numerous issues and sort of the it's Thanksgiving, let's not talk politics type thing. And that has actually led us to having a much more divisive country and not listening to other people and their ideas. So I always think that we should have these conversations. So to answer your question, should we have these discussions? The answer is yes. What we can do with those conversations, we can have the discussions, we can bring everybody to the table, the stakeholders of fracking, the scientists, 
the water stakeholders and, and go down and sit down and have discussions on frank, honest ways to reduce the water waste there. Reducing our oil and gas footprint is not something that we need to proactively go after is what I mean. It's going to happen over time just as the market demands and turns towards more renewables. That's a fact of life. It's a fact of what's going to happen in general. We can bang our head against the drum as some people want to do. I don't want to bang my head against the drum of that. I want to push forward with that, um, bringing in more renewables and transitioning our economy and our in our environment and our energy sectors that way. But it's not at the expense of our current jobs or our current economy. Okay. Do you have any final thoughts or uh, anything else you'd like to put out there before you uh, do your, your tailgate campaigning? Um, no, I just that, that really I am interested in bringing unity to the country more than, than anything else. I want to get us, as I said, talking about these issues, talking about different ways to solve the issues. If, if me and six other people sit down at a table and have a calm, rational discussion, we can come up with seven great ideas that could turn into one, one really good idea that might solve that issue. So that's what I want to try to do. So when I get, go up to Rio Blanco and Mapa counties on this tailgating tour starting next week is to listen to people and what their issues are and what their solutions are and take those home and work with them and down to Denver and work for the people.